welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring changemakers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Prosper Project. Today, my guest is Chris Eccleston, president and founder of Delmarva Veteran Builders, which is located in his hometown of Salisbury, Maryland. Chris has been in the construction industry since 2007, managing more than $150 million in commercial construction projects. Chris has built not only a corporate brand, but a personal one as well. And now he's on a mission to build the brand of the construction trades, starting with the children's book he co-wrote with his creative developer, Jenny Schroen. The book's title borrows his company tagline, Grit Leads to Greatness. Welcome, Chris, and thanks so much for joining us today. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me, Lorraine. It's wonderful to be here. Great. So I want to know a little bit about your background and what led you into the construction industry first and then into creating your company. So two-part question. Okay. Well, thank you. What led me into construction was... I had served in the military from 2000 to 2006. I was in the Navy and I worked in the reactor room and it sounds interesting and very cool and it is, but once you turn the reactor on, it just stays on and it became very monotonous routine. I kind of equate it to the Groundhog's Day movie. If you've ever seen that movie where it's the same day, repeat that kind of thing, unless something else goes, kind of goes south on you. But other than that, that's kind of what I was doing. So my mindset was looking to have some very tangible results and something that I could see in progress. And so construction was very interesting to me because you have the teamwork aspect, you have the tangibility aspect, and you have a very clear goal, which is the completion of a building or a project, and then you move on to the next one. So That's really kind of how I got into the construction industry, and that's what attracted me to the industry altogether. And then my business part, I had been working in the industry for seven years, I guess, seven, eight years, and I just saw kind of the veteran mindset and the attitude that we were just to give everybody context. This is early 2000s to 2010, 12, started my business in 2013. And I just saw that mindset, that veteran attitude and the mindset on all the folks that I had worked with in the military and applying that kind of mindset to the construction industry would lead to a very interesting, dynamic context in the world at that time frame was both of the wars were winding down, veteran unemployment was very high. So it was a very large conversation that was happening. We were about a year or two ahead of that. So just timing to the market was great. And we just took off like a lightning bolt. I love that. That's such a great story. So we always talk about building your brand on purpose. And that's definitely something that you did. How did the recession 2007, 2008 impact you or did it? Well, I was in college after the military. So I got out in 
2006. I was in college, but my story and part of the reason why I started the business on purpose was I could not find a job getting out of the military. This was 2006, seven. I got told repeatedly that I was overqualified for all the jobs that I was looking for. I mean, I was looking for anything because I was in college, needed to work uh, part-time and needed to pay for rent and foods and all that stuff. I'm 24, 25 years old, so I don't want to live on college campus and have that traditional college experience. I was not traditional. So I ended up being a trash man. That was the job I found. I would go into new construction homes and clean them out, take them to the dump and do that back and forth kind of all day or in between half days, in between classes and all that kind of stuff. So that was something that really stuck with me. And I knew other military people were having the same issue, not being able to find work. They weren't really understood. They weren't being given a shot if the employer didn't understand a military resume. So that's another reason why I wanted to go down this path of veteran employment. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And you got your MBA. So you definitely got the business side of starting this business, but it sounds like it started based on your passion and also the purpose of helping other veterans find employment. What was that experience like in those first few years recruiting? I imagine they were very relieved to find you, that you were building this business in part to help other veterans kind of get a head start because we all know it's the most challenging to find that first good job and then be able to elevate from there. So was it easy to hire at that point or what was that initial process like? I would say it was pretty easy. It was actually surprisingly easy for us. What started happening was we were ahead of the curve. It was in the news cycle about this veteran employment. So we were starting to get what I would call free PR or publicity just because mm-hmm. we were beginning associated with all of this stuff that was happening in the general market and the media cycle. So we had a lot of veteran guard or reservists finding us. I do have a couple interesting stories. I remember our first big project we got, which was a huge job and for us at the time. And I remember the contractor interviewing us. It was like, well, you know the most about the job. You understand the scope. The only one problem is you only have one employee. So how are you going to pull this off? And I said, well, I'm going to just go start hiring people. And they kind of laughed. And I ended up having to get somebody to kind of co-sign the contract to give them the security that we could Mm. go do it. But that's what I did. I went and hired a bunch of guys that were One guy in particular was literally sitting on the couch. He had returned from Afghanistan and he was not sure what he wanted to do. was just kind of just sitting around and I called him and I said, hey, I'm in trouble, man. I need help. Can you show up and start working? And he's like, well, I don't know anything about construction. I said, that's okay. We can teach you. You have the mindset. You'll show up every day. You can execute on a goal and have that kind of mindset. And that's what we became known for. And actually we became so known for that, I guess, kind of locally and regionally in 2016 or 2017, we were one of the 20 companies that were awarded, actually 15 companies, I'm sorry, 15 companies that awarded the Secretary of Defense Freedom Award. And so we got to go to the, yeah, we got to go to the Pentagon and I was on the stage with the CEO of 
Lowe's and the CEO of Alaska Airlines. And here I am giving a speech in front of uh, 150 people about transition military. I think we had maybe 10 people working for the company at that point. I, wow. I, it, was, it was a pretty large stage. I got emotional and it was, uh, it was a really cool experience to be in a crowd like that, be on a stage like that. That is incredible. I love that. And as your company grew, you really got recognized for your strong company culture as well. Yeah, we the culture has always been a, a big core principle for us. It's something I'm really passionate about. I love leadership. I'm a leadership junkie. So I love listen to podcasts. I read a lot of books. I go to conferences. Sometimes I listen to motivational speeches in the morning before work as part of my morning routine. So I kind of have all that stuff. And that's something that we've been really known for. I think it's kind of partly due to the rapid growth that we had. And just so your listeners kind of know, I mean, for three years in a row, we were doubling or tripling our revenue year after year. So, I mean, at one point we were on the Inc. top 500 list and as one of the fastest growing companies in America. So that's how fast this was all happening to us. And we wanted to hire people and, and we didn't have a choice. We had to hire people that necessarily didn't have the technical construction experience, but they had the right attitude, the right mindset, and they fit in culturally. And so that's kind of what we became known for is kind of thinking outside of the box, being a little bit different. And when you look at construction really as an industry or as a company, what you're hiring is people and we're a service business. So the people that you interact with on your construction projects they're the ones delivering uh, the end result for the customer. And so that's what we believe that we need to build our people and hopefully we can build them here and they stay. But sometimes when you build people and you teach them leadership principles and core values and cultural, all that stuff, they decide that there's other things in life that they want to pursue and we're okay with that too. So we've become known as trying to build people and it doesn't fit for everyone and we're okay with that too. The other theme I'm hearing and leads into the next question is that you really exhibit a kind of what I know as servant leadership. So you're really looking at it's the people who are doing the actual work to put it in armed forces speak, basically your frontliners, right? And they're the ones that you pour into. But can you talk about of all the construction companies down in Maryland, why you think your company experienced this rapid growth. I'm sure there's a couple of things. Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I think this is universal. This isn't just about construction. This is about how do you build a fast-growing business? Sure. I think, number one, the timing the market was there. So there's a little bit of luck. I think any business owner has to acknowledge some of that. I think secondly is we have a very distinct logo and name that was by design. So it's eye-catching and it creates a memory. You may not remember the name, but you're going to see that logo and it's going to pop to you. And so that'll generate the other thing. And the other thing that we did is word of mouth. So one of the things that we did as an organization is, and we still do to this day, we do close orders twice a year for all our staff and we pay 50% of those. And the reason I do that is because I knew right away I could have 25 people 
or 50 people, however many people, sometimes we scale up when we have big jobs wearing clothes or their families or their kids wearing clothes with our logo and our brand on it all over town. And now mm. we just kind of reinforce our brand right away. And so it does two things. It does that. But number two is if you have good company culture and you're pouring into people and you try and create an opportunity for them to grow, they become proud of their organization. They feel empowered. Typically, every other construction project is going to show you on their website, their buildings, their end products. Yeah. Uh, what they do, we show our people. We've always shown our people because that's what you're buying. I mean, you're buying a building, but the people are going to be the ones that get you to the building at the end of the day. A building's a building. So we've always done that. And that's generated a lot of word of mouth, a lot of conversation. And then when we won that Secretary of Defense Award, we were on every regional media outlet. I mean, we made some national news on that as well. And so all the local things just started happening. We were kind of the new kid on the block. So the new flashy toy that everybody wanted to play with, I think that goes back to the time into market. That's kind of another reason why we were growing so fast. Yeah, I hear all that. And what I'm coming away with is you are very humble because I know you, I've worked with you and you're very hardworking. You're committed to lifelong learning. You're always learning and doing better. And you really are people first. And to build a company to your success level takes a lot more than market timing. I know on your website, which is Delmarva Veteran Builders, that you showcase a lot of your projects, but you also have a new project. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. The construction industry is facing uh, a worker workforce crisis. If you haven't, if you're not associated with the industry right now, the numbers that are out there are about six hundred fifty thousand, depending on which organization you talk to, ABC reports the 650 number, AGC, I think is reporting about a 500,000 number. That coupled with over the next decade, 20% of our workforce is going to retire. So we're aging out. And I started to see this on our subcontractor base or our trade partner base. So we're down to one Mason company, two Mason three companies in our area that can handle the size work of what we're doing. And one of the things that we do or we believe is our core values are operation grit. So we teach other people grit. We want to be fresh. We want to ignite potential. And then we want to do epic stuff. So we kind of don't want to sit and just let this problem linger. We wanted to do something about it. So we decided we were going to write a children's book. And our tagline for our organization is called Grit Leads to Greatness. Jenny, who wrote the book with me, she does all our marketing, branding, and graphic design work. 2020, we actually rebranded the company, adopted this tagline, put posters of all of our people on all of our job sites all around the area that we work in. And so that was just a way to elevate the industry and elevate the people that work for our company. And so we decided that we would take the same name, Great Lisa Greatness, and apply this to a book and make greatness a destination. And we've been getting our goal now is to kind of take on this national workforce crisis now we're dealing and experiencing in the trades and, and do something about it. So our company has been great. They've gotten behind it and it's been a lot of fun. We've gotten a lot of interest from a lot of national organizations, national contractors, and so on. It's been pretty cool, pretty fun ride. 
Jenny and I have been working on it for about two years now. Anyone can purchase the book. It's called Grit Leads to Greatness, an epic quest built to change the world. And you're really addressing a lot of things. It's a dystopian children's book, which should be an oxymoron, but in this case really serves a higher purpose. And I don't think I'm giving anything away to say that the children that are the main characters in the book are living in a world where construction has basically been forgotten. And you're sending a message with this book. Yeah. So we're definitely, it's definitely mission-based. It's definitely purpose-based. I mean, the goal now is to get contractors in the classrooms. Today, we've had about 50 companies step up and read in second through fifth grade all across the mid-Atlantic area where we are, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. This October, Careers in Construction Month, we have events happening, starting to happen all across America. So all month long in October, We're going to have contractors in classrooms reading to this book and and giving these books away. So this is kind of a unique proposal on what we're doing. And yeah, it's mission-based, purpose-based, and it's really to excite the next generation and create this appreciation for the trades and maybe some interest in the trades about what it does. But it is, the book does show construction as heroic. There are magical characters that we have that are trade characters that teach the children trades, masonry, welding, electrical, plumbing, and carpentry. And we created these magical epic characters that teach each one of the trades. And so this actually started kind of for our purpose, right? We were going to solve our own problem. Our company was going to give these books away at the local schools every year. And we would go into the classroom and the children would be able to take the books home and give them to mom and dad or brother and sister and really just kind of generate this word of mouth again, back to the branding part, word of mouth conversation about our industry, the opportunities involved in our industry, and then really start to change the dynamic or the stigma, the way people think about our industry. The typical stereotypes associated with construction will, but that's really not who we are as an industry. I mean, there's a great book out there called the checklist manifesto. And this mm-hmm. is a, I can't, re- I can't remember the author's name, but the guy who wrote this book was a surgeon and he was on the WHO task force on reducing infection rates in operating rooms all across the world. And you know where they went? To learn how to write systems and operations and procedures. They went to the construction industry. He has two chapters in his book about it. He went and toured skyscrapers, right? Think about a skyscraper. Uh, right. Hundreds of people working in a complex environment, all the materials and the logistics associated with that, how our safety, our production levels, all appliance and procedural things that we have to deal with. Nobody thinks about that when you think about construction. And so this doctor went, this surgeon went to construction projects to learn how to write procedures in the operating room. So, I mean, you could say, I mean, I'm taking his book, but you could say construction saved the world already by reducing infection rates in, in operating rooms all across the world. And now we're doing it again. We're teaching kids that construction can be heroic, but it's also teaching educators and parents that construction can be heroic. It's noble. It's necessary to the world. All the things that we do and we take for granted every day, driving on roads, drinking water, 
living in your house or going to work in a building, that's all construction and trades folks that did that for you. So, and thousands of years ago, the trades folk and the guilds and all that kind of stuff, these were higher level people in kind of the cultural dynamic of society. And so we've lost that artistic flair or that artisan flavor of the construction industry that is still there. I mean, if you get into the industry, we solve problems, we have dynamic uh, solutions, we think as a team and operate and we execute. So it's highly decision-based and problem-solving. And we so take it I, for I, granted. I got on a tangent. That's <laughs> yeah, I got all right. on a tangent there. <laughs> well, I feel like construction, like clean water, is something that we take for granted until something goes wrong. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this bridge is about to collapse or the system that pumps our water is outdated and we're getting leaks into our drinking water. And then all of a sudden we value it. The children don't understand what the trades were, but they're living in a society where the trades have been forgotten. But I think the other message of this book is that the children are basically inspired to find greatness in their own lives. And there's just so many messages in this book that you have to believe in yourself, but you also have to take action when other people aren't taking action and really focus in. And that's where the grit comes into play. Yeah, we did, an, uh, Jenny and I did an assembly up near DC and we had, I don't know, two or 300 kids in the auditorium and we were getting set up and they were all sitting there ready to go. And this second through fifth graders and one kid raises his hand before all this stuff, before we started reading the book and doing the presentation and the kid says, is grit real? And we were like, yeah, it's actually a character trait. So we wanted to celebrate that. Jenny's made some cool t-shirts to say grit is my superpower. Yeah. But yeah, this is a great book to showcase grit, mental toughness, to begin that conversation of what it's going to take in life as we all get older. I mean, we're all going to be dealt things that we don't want to have to deal with necessarily. And you're going to need to have some resiliency and some grit and some fortitude to overcome what person wouldn't want there, wouldn't want to learn any of that stuff. But also, I think another key message in the book is believing in yourself and then having recognizing that other people are going to believe in you when you start to believe in yourself. Yeah, it's it's such a great message. And just as an aside, I love that we have Tegan and Trig, the kids. One's a young girl, the other one's a boy. But we also have Rowan, the snome carpenter, and Copper, who's an amphibious plumber. And those are both women characters. We tend to think of construction as a more male field, and it probably is, but it's nice to give young girls the opportunity to see someone who they can relate to who's also in the trade. So that was just another thing I really appreciated about the portrayal of characters in this story. We wanted to have a dynamic set of characters, and we did really want to have some strong women involved. Women are have to come into the construction industry our vice president at DVB or Delmarva Veteran Builders is a female. She's one of the best constructors that I know. She was actually an architect. Her and I worked together, Catherine, for a long time before she decided to come join the dark side and be on the contracting side. But she's super dynamic. 
a lot of your project managers, the detail, the paperwork, the administrative function of construction that a lot of people don't really think about. Some of the best project managers I've ever worked with have all been have all been women. And these are women that are running complex construction projects that could have up to hundreds of people working on them. And they're in charge of coordinating and operating that project successfully, safely, with quality and, and executing. So it's really cool to see women come into the industry. The other thing that I just want to comment on, and then we'll pivot back away from the book, is these characters have been incredibly popular with young readers to the point that you've brought them to life in terms of character costumes for some of them. And they've shown up for different readings as well. Is that correct? Yeah, this was Jenny and I's uh, crazy idea. We wanted to show the industry how to do something like this. So we went to Hollywood. I spent months calling (laughs) every costume production place in Hollywood, New York, basically all the the movie set productions and Broadway production houses. I was finally able to find one. They were in Hollywood that would actually take us seriously because they have big contracts with Disney and Marvel and all that kind of stuff. So some construction guy that wants to do what now? But anyway, <laughs> I was getting a lot of that. And they were kind of like thinking I was crazy, not for real. And I was like, no, I'm dead serious. So they were made out in Hollywood. Mason the Mason, who's a nine foot, 10 foot stone ogre. And then Copper the Plumber. She has copper scales all over her body, like pennies. And mm-hmm. she's got a huge, huge pipe wrench on her back, kind of like the Braveheart sword. Oh, Yeah. And so we have these costumes made out in Hollywood. They're very, very expensive. This is the same company that's doing work for Marvel, Fortnite, all the main huge brands that are out there. So this is something that you would see at like Comic-Con or that kind of type of event. So we actually did, they've been in about eight to 10 schools now. They've been in front of several thousand children. I wish we got the first time we walked into an auditorium. I was actually in the costume. (laughs) I wish we got that on video. But when I walked in after they read the book, the kids went nuts or whatever. And we got the oohs and the ahs and like got all excited. So, and then I got swarmed. They all ran to me. And there's videos on our website of us being in the schools with the costumes. But one cool really cool event we did is we went to the Associated Builders and Contractors Convention, National Convention down in Florida this year in March. There were several thousand people there and we hired performers for the event. Oh, wow. And yeah, the first night we were there, we got swarmed. I've never experienced anything like it in my life. (laughs) Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming up wanting to take pictures and meet and ask questions and all that kind of stuff. But I think the one special moment for me was We were with the costumes. We were walking through. We were at the Gaylord Palms, which is a huge convention hall. Yeah. And there were people there not associated with the building industry. And the kids would run up to the characters and want to meet them, want to take their pictures with them. And I was like, okay, we got it. Right. Like we're on something here. Like this is, it's working. And so that was a really, really special moment for me. I love this. So you have just shared so much about how you build a brand. And so starting with your purpose in hiring veterans and wanting to create this company to your passion for your industry and understanding that 
working in a silo, just your company versus getting different companies in the construction world to collaborate to further the industry. It's that old adage of the same tide lifting all ships. And then putting your message in into a book that is compelling, not only for your targeted readers, which are children, but also for their parents to basically change the image of your industry. I mean, I feel like this is an epic lesson in how to build a brand. There's just so many good things that you touched on. And I really, really appreciate all that you have shared. No worries. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. And building brands or building things is what we do for a living. And it's a, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So I love, I love doing it. And so how can people support you and support Grit Leads to Greatness? Well, you can go to our website, gritleadstogreatness.com. We have books for sale on that website. And then we also have classroom bundles. If you have any connections to the industry, the construction industry, we're, we're literally leading a national charge or mission to put contractors in the classroom all across America. So you're going to see these events in October starting all across America doing that. And if you want to be a part of that journey, that's great. Also, if, if you go to Amazon, we're on Amazon too. So great, Lisa Greatness and the books there, share the message. We, we have lessons plans coming out with this book. We have uh, a whole bunch of different irons in the fire that we're working on. So just be part of the movement and recognize that construction is valuable. It's noble and necessary. And you can have a career in our industry and make a difference in your own community working in the trade. And it's okay if it's non-traditional. All of my education has been non-traditional. And one last thing I'll just kind of share to parents or moms that are out there. If you learn a skill like carpentry or electricity or plumbing, uh, a lot of people, if parents or educators think, oh, well, that's the message. And I think, I, or that's where you're going to end up being a plumber. And I think that's the wrong message. I started as a trash man and now I run my own business. And I think that's what the construction industry offers more than any other industry that's out there. You can learn a trade. It's like riding a bicycle. Once you have carpentry, once you have electricity, once you have welding, you will always know how to do it. And that doesn't mean that you're staying stagnant at that position, you can move up or you can go do something else, but it's always a backup plan. And it's always a skill that you're going to have with you for the rest of your life. That's really great insight and a really good lesson. We're all always evolving anyway. Why not have a skill that you will never lose that just might lead to a career you love? Chris Eccleston, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I love your business model. I love this book and I wish you every success. Thanks, Lorraine. I appreciate you having me. Take good care. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.